and we are looking to put it on the market at 425. We should net when it's all said and done just under 100,000. Welcome my friend to the best real estate investing advice ever show. I'm Joe Fairless and before we get into the show in today's episode, which I know you'll get a lot of value from because we're we stay out of all the fluffy stuff and we get straight into the good stuff of real estate investing advice. I want to give a quick shout out to today's sponsor and that's Patch of Land. Uh, they are making this show possible and they're making tons of flipping projects possible all across the country. If you don't know about Patch of Land, then they are the number one company to go to for uh, projects that you're flipping uh, because they have all the money available right now. Um, once you get approved for your your deal and yourself as a sponsor or a borrower, um, you're going to be funded by them. And then they go raise the money through their crowdfunding platform. So you don't have to worry about all that. They'll take care of the, the money and the funding for you. You just have to worry about making sure your project's, project's a success. Uh, they've got something really cool for you. So um, if you are just learning about crowdfunding, uh, they've come up with a guide. It's called the Top 10 Crowdfunding Questions Guide. And they're all the, the questions that you might be asking yourself. And they're all the answers. They don't leave you hanging. They've got answers too. All the answers to those, those 10 crowdfunding questions. So you can go to patchofland.com forward slash best ever and get that guide. Uh, and if you think you know everything about crowdfunding, i check this guide out just in case because there are some interesting aspects that you'll learn. So go to patchofland.com forward slash best ever and get that guide. Welcome best ever listeners to another episode of the best real estate investing advice ever show. I'm Joe Fairless and on this show, in case you are just listening for the first time, or if you're a previous best ever listener, then you'll get a refresher. We talk about the best real estate investing advice ever. There's no fluff. We get straight to the good stuff and I interview a guest every day on what is their best real estate investing advice ever and you can apply it to your business and the ultimate goal is to help you move your business forward faster and uh, scale as quickly as possible if that's what you want to do. So today we've got Tyson Cross. Tyson, how you doing? Doing well, Joe. Thanks. Glad to have you on the show and Tyson is a broker at HFO, which is based in Portland, Oregon. He is a former property manager for Cassidy Turley, where he used to oversee a portfolio of 10 medical office buildings, a lot of square footage, over 350,000 square feet that you were overseeing. I know you've got some stories for us on that. His experience is in commercial property operations, finance, property management, and negotiations. And non-real estate related really quickly, interesting fact about him is he's always wanted to be in a band. And it's interesting because I think you're the second person in Portland I've interviewed. And the other person, Janelle Isaacson, the title of her episode, it's episode 230, is how you can be the next real estate rock star. And she used to be in a punk rock band. So you definitely need to go meet Janelle and maybe start something up. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, Portland is a place where people of all walks of life come, come. So that doesn't surprise me at all. And there's a good music scene here too. Oh yeah. Yeah. I've heard about the live music scene. Yeah. 
I've been there once in my life. Uh, it was about like I mentioned yesterday, it was about ten years ago when we were talking, and I, I love it, and I, I definitely want to go back. And Mount Hood was on one of my favorite things to do. Yeah, absolutely, beautiful. Well, you want to give the best ever listeners a little bit more about your real estate background and what you're focused on right now. Sure, sure. So, as you mentioned, um, you know, I really I got my start in real estate a few years ago only, and I guess I should just preface that by saying before I was in real estate, I actually started out being a teacher in special ed and kind of went the whole grad school route, got my credential and my master's and really thought I was going to be doing that in coaching baseball. That was kind of the path I had taken. Just by chance, I had started a business with a friend and through that kind of got involved um, in business and realized that there was kind of a whole new world out there slowly realized that I wanted to do something more. And, um, you know, I developed this passion for real estate. And so once I made that decision to go into real estate, I spent a lot of time figuring out how to get in because I, I had no business background. I had no experience, but I knew that I wanted to get into real estate long term. I, I felt like that was really the path that I sh- I should be on. And so you know, what I did is I decided the best way to do that is to reach out, figure out who I can talk to, who I can meet with, and how I can maybe help them and they can help me figure out how to where, you know, where I want to go. And so kind of over the course of eight to eight months to a year, I really just put myself out there and I talked to anybody who would listen and kind of went on uh, broker ride-alongs. I met with people for coffee, just tried to get as close as I could to figuring out where, what avenue I wanted to get into real estate. And so that whole journey took me to, you know, meeting people and finally getting some interviews with Cassidy Turley, who's now DTZ. And actually, I think they're now Cushman Wakefield, but slowly but surely got an interview with the, basically the uh, person who oversaw all of property management in the Bay Area and prove myself enough to get in. And so that's what I did. I started out as a property manager, basically just from the ground floor, kind of as his assistant, and then worked my way in up the ladder. And within a year, I was actually a property manager overseeing, um, like you said, I think I think we had more than 10 buildings at that time. But really, I was probably in a position that uh, I was in over my head. But it was great because the best way to learn, as you know, and most people know, is by doing. So uh, I got a crash course and probably six years worth of property management crammed into one. And then over the next couple years, I, you know, I stuck with it and, and developed uh, my skills and learned a lot more. And and then uh, where I'm at now is uh, I'm in Portland. I was in the Bay Area. The last year, I really felt like going into brokerage was the way I wanted to go. And so, you know, I sort of did the same thing I did when I got into real estate. I started reaching out to people. My wife and I knew we wanted to move up to Portland. And so slowly but surely reached out to connections I had. And, you know, when I came up here, I interviewed with all of the brokerage firms and and really kind of found a home here with, with this company, a boutique firm. And now I'm doing multifamily brokerage. So it's been kind of a journey the last four years, but now I really feel I'm in a really good spot. It's where I want to be, and I'm really excited about the future. When you were you were looking to decide which real estate path you want to take, because I get this question a lot. You know, I, I want to get into real estate. I'm just starting out. 
I want to make money. What's the best way to make money? And there's some things I, I like to say, but I, I'm curious to hear your thoughts. If you were to give advice to somebody, and this isn't your best ever advice yet, but if you were to give advice to somebody on how to approach deciding what you want, which real estate path you want to take, if you don't have a path yet, what would you say to help them make that decision? Yeah, that's a great question because there's so many avenues in real estate. There's so many ways that you can go. And that's the beauty of real estate. I mean, you know, there's, there's, I mean, whether you're on the service side or you're on the sales side, there's a ton of different things you can do. And you won't fully know what that, what you want to do until you, you get in and just kind of experience it. And for me, I didn't have a background in it. The only way I could break in was whoever was willing to give me a shot. I think, um, and so first, you know, if somebody's wanting to start out and trying to figure out what's the best route to go or, or they don't know kind of where they want to go first, I think it's just get out there and, and talk to as many people as you can and figure out how you can learn more about, you know, each industry. I mean, what I did is I, I called people I knew who were brokers. I went and rode along with them, kind of experienced what they did for a day. And then I talked to property managers. Um, so, I mean, really, you're not going to know until you get out there and just do it. And for me, again, it was just taking the first opportunity I got. And then slowly, you know, being with the big company, Cassidy Turley, I was exposed to all the different service lines. I mean, we had uh, mortgage brokers. We had leasing brokers. We had property management. So I was fortunate enough to really get to see what all these different people did. And from that, I was able to kind of hone in and say, okay, now I want to become a broker. I see what they do and that's what I want to do. So until you've really gone out there, talked to people or at least experienced it firsthand, it's tough because there's so many different routes you can go. But, you know, it just, it just really depends, I guess. Yeah. And it depends on when you're experiencing those things, what you gravitate towards and then continuing to get more and more of that and less and less of the stuff that you haven't gravitated towards. And I think it's also, as you said, tying back to the people you learn from because they can make it fun or miserable. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, you, you might have a calling for multifamily, but if you're dealing with a miserable person and they're the one who's teaching you or, or showing you the ropes, you might have a bad taste in your mouth on it. So I think it also depends on that. Absolutely. And I think personality plays a big part. I mean, if you're depending on your personality and, and what you, you know, what your areas of strength are, I mean, because, because being a property manager and being a broker, there's, there's totally different. I guess there's different skills, but then there's also some overlapping skills as well. So it's really about, you know, what you're comfortable with and what what kind of people you want to work with. And then, yeah, like you said, who's kind of shaping you and who you're kind of following, I guess. Yeah, that's interesting that you mentioned the different personality type between the property manager and broker, just generally speaking. Of course, there's always exceptions and of course there's overlaps. But if you were to have a couple questions where you are trying to identify if somebody would be better fit for a property manager or broker, what questions would you ask that person? (laughs) That's funny. I I think first off, you know, I think the main difference between being a broker and property managers, well, first off, the main similarity is you really need to have good customer service. I mean, you're dealing with people day in and day out. And so both jobs require a level of customer service and just being able to relate to your customers and understanding their needs. 
the best way to help people is to really listen and figure out how you're going to help them. I would say just the main difference in, in the short time I've been a broker, which is less than a year, is you know, you really have to be comfortable taking risks because you know, as a broker, you're not paid a salary. And so everything we do is commission-based. And so you have to be willing to accept the fact that you're not going to be paid unless you find a deal and get the work done. So I think one of the biggest things I've noticed is just being comfortable and okay with that fact and really going out and kind of having that entrepreneurial spirit because at the end of the day, the only one that's going to get you a paycheck is you. And so, you know, I think that's one of the big differences. And then I think another big difference between being a broker and property manager is just just being okay with rejection. I've learned that in this industry, the brokerage industry, you have to be able to forget quickly because you're going to get a lot of no's. And so uh, having that ability to continue to to reach out to people and, and continue to prospect when the majority of people are not going to um, listen to what you have to say or, or agree with what you have to say, that's a that's a big a big difference. So those are kind of two of the things that stand out in my mind. And then I would say one of the the biggest things that probably was my I guess. The toughest thing for me as being a property manager was organizational skills. I think as a property manager, you have to be much more organized, and that's not one of my strong points. So, you know, being a broker, you're able to kind of run a little bit faster, move a little bit quicker. We're fortunate here at HFO to have a really strong team, a support team, which allows us to focus on meeting with clients, building relationships. So I think, you know, having good organizational skills is probably a much more important quality for a property manager. And speaking of property managers and your time as a property manager overseeing those 10 plus medical office buildings, mm-hmm. what's it like managing in a medical office building? You know, it's, uh, it's much like a regular office building. Obviously, you're dealing with doctors and, uh, and, and dentists and things like that. Regarding tenant improvements and work that go on in medical office, there's much stricter requirements, especially uh, if it's, you know, related to the hospital. They have very high, very strict, strong regulations with regard to how you build out a, a, t- a tenant suite. But for the most part, you know, you're you're managing a, an office building. I think one of the main differences, though, are the way you structure leases. There's much stricter guidelines around the way that you have leases with doctors. I mean, especially if there's a hospital nearby and the the, the tenants refer business to the hospital, there's actual laws that govern what you can and can't do in leases with doctors. And so I think that was probably the most difficult part about it. You really have to know how you're putting a lease together, what to put in, making sure that all of those are following the guidelines. Actually, you know, the hospitals can get big fines. Medical office buildings can get big fines if their leases are out of compliance and they're not following these regulations. So I think that was the biggest challenge, and especially being new to the industry and kind of, you know, cutting my teeth in medical office, which is one of the more challenging product types to manage, that was really tough. Just learning that, knowing that, and making sure that we were always in compliance with that. How do you learn the different laws, you know, your first month on the job? What are you studying? Yeah, so that particular law I'm referring to, it's called Stark Law, and it was basically passed to 
ensure that uh, there were no, you know, deals going on between landlords and doctors. And what was happening in the past, they'd have doctors referring patients to the hospital and they'd say, look, I'm giving you more business. Why don't you cut me a deal on my rent? So what we did is you have to follow, uh, you have to follow very strict guidelines. And we were fortunate enough at Cassidy Turley, we had a healthcare practice team. We would have monthly calls nationally. All our healthcare professionals would get on a conference call. There'd be like hundreds of people on the call. And so we would do trainings. I mean, we did trainings with the hospital staff and really just focus on making sure everybody knew why we were doing what we were doing and making sure everybody that worked within that area knew knew all the regulations. So that was a good thing. We, we had a constant training, constant, um, you know, reminders and things like that. Was it very active in terms of leasing it up while you were there or were they all pretty much leased and you were overseeing it? Yeah, you know, when I came in, we actually, some of the medical offices were were very, uh, they hadn't had third-party property management in years. So you can imagine a lot of these tenant leases were out of compliance. I mean, we had a lot of leases that weren't even Tenants weren't even under leases, which was a huge problem. So, you know, my first year, I think I I renewed somewhere, I think, 30 to 40 leases. And, you know, I, I was helping write, you know, getting them signed, getting them processed. And it was, I mean, it was a crash course like no other. It was quite a learning experience. So, yeah, we had a huge leasing process that first year. And are they going back and forth? I mean, you're dealing directly in some cases or in a lot of cases, sounds like you're dealing directly with the doctors. Is that what type of negotiating experience is that? You know, it's interesting, especially with these particular tenants. You know, they didn't have a rent increases for years. They had a lot of them didn't have leases renewed for years. So really, they were pretty shocked when we came in and started negotiating lease rates. We, we started bumping lease rates up pretty significantly. They were all under-rented. So if you can imagine, some of these doctors had been there years. I mean, since the medical office building was first opened. And I think we had, you know, we had tenants there for 25 years. And so it was challenging. I mean, really, you know, I, I went back to my practice as a special ed teacher and, and really focused on patients and, and using my customer service skills because they were not, some of them weren't happy. And really we had to, we were kind of bound by the confines in which we had to renew the lease. So there wasn't a whole lot of negotiating that we could partake in, but it was really just about helping them understand why we were there, what we were doing. You know, we weren't the bad guy, but we, you know, a lot of them looked at us that way. We were really there to try to help the landlord get the, the real estate back in compliance and make sure that things were operating the way that it should be. So it was very, very challenging. And, you know, it didn't happen quickly. I think when I left after three years, we were still still trying to get everything caught up. But we were, you know, it took a long time. So, yeah. That's over the 10 plus how many buildings? Yeah, it was, I think it was 10 or so. Yeah, it was about 10. We had some more when I first started that we got rid of, but primarily about 10 buildings in that span from the Bay Area down to Los Angeles. So, My goodness. Yeah, it's when you say 350,000 square feet, it's tough to really visualize that unless you're thinking of 
in my mind, I, I think of apartments and say it's a 700 square, 750 square foot apartment. So it's basically 467 apartments worth of leases. And of course, you have much larger offices than 750 square feet. But that just yeah. helps me understand it from a context with the amount of square footage that you're dealing with. Yeah, yeah. And I think uh, I think there was five, maybe five or six that took up the majority of that. And then you had some little ones, you know, probably five or six tenants. But yeah, the, the majority were in some large properties. So, Well, are you ready for the big old question that I ask everybody? Go for it. All right. What is your best real estate investing advice ever? My best ever real estate advice is probably just to get started. You know, when I first realized that I wanted to get involved in real estate, I did a lot of research. I talked to a lot of people. Um, and, and then, you know, I also do real estate investing on the side. We're actually involved in a house flip with a couple business partners. And it took me a long time to really pull the trigger on doing something like that. And I would say the best advice that I can give you is just to get started. Go reach out to people, you know, go to local real estate investing meetups reach out, see if you can uh, um, ask people questions, take them to coffee. You know, I, I frequented a site that I think you've talked about before, and I think we met on was Bigger Pockets, and that was a site that I I really found a lot of information, a lot of inspiration, and, and I actually met two of my business partners on that site. So I would say the best advice is just to go get started. Makes sense, and it's clear kind of your your path and how you get started and while you're starting, you're learning as much as you can about mm-hmm. each component of whatever you're focused on. And then it's speaking to as many people as possible. I think that's that's the takeaway that I'll also mention that and some other things in the summary. So are you ready for the best ever lightning round? Yeah, let's do it. All right. First, a quick word from our best ever partners. Crowdfunding. You've heard about it. Now it's time for you to learn about it. Our best ever sponsor today, Patch of Land, they're the leading expert in the crowdfunding space, and they've got all the answers to all of your crowdfunding questions. Go to patchofland.com forward slash best ever and get your copy of the top 10 answers to the top 10 crowdfunding questions. That's P-A-T-C-H-O-F-L-A-N-D.com forward slash best ever. Best ever listeners, do you want to get around the 80% loan to value rule and get lines of credit for your real estate business? Well, our previous best ever guest, Jimmy Moncrief, and you can check out his episode in 245, so episode 245. He's a real estate investor himself and also a bank credit officer. So you can go to realestatefinancehq.com forward slash best ever for your free negotiating guide. And he's doing it himself. The title of the episode I interviewed him on is um, You Better Be Nice to Your Banker If You Want Them to Do This. And that's all about the negotiating techniques as well. So um, go to realestatefinancehq.com forward slash best ever. Get your free negotiating guide. And then also check out his episode. What's the best ever book you've read? That's a really tough one. I would say the most influential book that I've read that's kind of gotten me to where I am now is uh, Ken McElroy and the ABCs of Real Estate Investing. Well, that's why I'm in multifamily brokerage with the goal of owning multifamily. What was the number one takeaway that inspired you to get into multifamily after reading that book? Number one takeaway, I just, I, I really saw the 
the way that you could create wealth by investing in multifamily and, and the, the many advantages to it. Um, I think Ken McElroy just does a really good job of explaining why multifamily is the best investment. And, um, you know, after reading that book, it was just so clear to me. And uh, I, I wanted I wanted to do exactly what he was doing after reading that. So, yeah, it was a great book. Best ever personal growth experience and what did you learn from it? Again, I'm going to go back to the experience of me totally making a career change. Um, you know, when I was just before I was 30 years old with a kid on the way, you know, I was teaching comfortably. We were living pretty comfortably and, and I just felt like it wasn't right. And I took the next eight months to a year and put myself out there and totally transformed my career. And now I'm at a spot where I'm, I'm uh, I feel where I'm supposed to be and, and I'm really excited about going forward. And so um, I would encourage anyone who's, who's thinking about doing that and saying, gosh, you know, it's too late or maybe I just don't have enough time. There's always time, you know, and if you feel like you need to do something and get into real estate or you want to get into real estate, there's definitely a way and it's just about making that happen. Best ever deal you've done or project you've worked on? So it's the first one that I've done. It's a first flip and we're actually finishing it now. It has taken almost a year. Holy cow, to flip a house? What's going on over there? <laughs> yeah, so we, and like I mentioned, I met two partners on Bigger Pockets up here in Portland. This is before we moved here. We bought a house, we started flipping it. We actually added a whole second story, so we had to get approval from the city, which took a lot longer than we thought. But how long? Well, I think it took four months for the city to finally approve the plans. So we bought it back in August of last year. We didn't actually get the plans approved till, gosh, I want to say it was almost December. So, but the good thing is the market has continued to climb. We're actually going to make more money than we thought we were. And it's actually going to be a pretty good success. And so, yeah, it was our first deal. And, and it goes back to me just getting started, you know. It took a while. And people talk about the just the fear of pulling the trigger but once you do it really opens your eyes up and, and lets you know that you can you can do thing, more things than you probably thought you could that's awesome well congrats on that and what are the numbers behind it real quick so if I remember right I think we bought it for 154000 I think we are going to end up putting when it's all said and done we're going to be right around 300000 all in including hard money costs and uh, rehab and we are looking to put it on the market at 425. Awesome. We should net when it's all said and done just under 100,000. That's awesome. Well, I'll be uh, keeping my fingers crossed for you on that one. Thank you. Best ever way you like to give back? You know, we, my wife and I go to church. We like to give back to our church. We are looking for other ways to give back. That's definitely one thing we want to do more of. Last year, we had a huge yard sale for one of our friends who has a son with cancer. So we're always looking for ways to give back, and that's something that we definitely need to do more of. And what would you say is the biggest mistake you've made in real estate? That's a tough one. Probably not getting into brokerage right when I graduated college. <laughs> I wish I would have done that when I was younger because I'd be in a probably a much better spot now. But um no, if I could have gotten sooner, if I could have gotten involved sooner, that's probably my my biggest regret. Where's the best ever place for the best ever listeners to come find you? So you can check us out on our website. Our company in Portland is H F O R E 
hfoinvestmentrealestate.com, and that's HFO Investment Real Estate, multifamily uh, brokers in Portland. Or you can find me on Twitter at tycross81, and my email is tycross81 at gmail.com. All right. Well, I love your name, by the way. It's just like a, it's an awesome name. I wish I had your name. It's like a rock star <laughs> name, right? Should be in a band. <laughs> You've got the name. Now you just got to go meet your, your Portland friend that I was trying to introduce you to earlier. Yeah, I'll have to look her up. I can make the introduction to Janelle. <laughs> number 230. That's right. Number 230. Let me make All sure right. I pull up my computer. Yeah, number 230. How cool. you can be the, the next real estate rock star. Well, thank you so much for being on the show and talking about medical office buildings. I haven't had anyone speak and in the level of detail that you've spoken uh, you spoke about medical office buildings today, dealing with um, the negotiations, the stricter requirements for tenant improvements, the ways you have to structure leases is different, much stricter guidelines with doctor leases. There's laws that govern what you can and can't do with the leases with doctors. So if any property management company is looking to expand their portfolio of what they manage, certainly needs to be privy to that. And uh, also talking about if we're just beginning or maybe we want to make a, a change with our real estate investing approach, then what do we do? Well, we get out there and we talk to as, as many people as possible. We learn as much as we can about each industry. It's important to also self-reflect and look at the type of personality that we have. And if we're thinking about a couple different paths, one of them being a broker, the other being a property manager, then you know you outline some of the, the differences that being with a broker, you really got to be comfortable taking risks because you're your own paycheck. And you're also going to, secondly, you have to deal with a lot of rejection. And, you know, my approach is every no leads me closer to a yes. And I think that's the approach that brokers need to have. And then the toughest thing as far as a property manager goes, is for you at least, is the organizational skills that are required. And that's certainly the case because you're really dealing with a lot of different properties. And even if it's with multifamily you're dealing with a lot of different residents. I imagine you're dealing with a lot of different residents if it's staffed similar to how most property management companies are staffed. So thank you again for being on the show and sharing your advice. And we'll talk to you soon. You bet, Joe. Thanks for having me. 